Well, good morning, everybody. Well, that was way too weak. Good morning, everybody. There we go. Now we're getting there. Uh, we're in Acts chapter 9 this morning, starting a new series, uh, kind of a non-series series, if we can do that. Um, we have a few weeks before we start our next kind of longer series in October. And uh, I've done this a couple times in the past when the great thing about this particular series, the Bible characters you've probably never heard of, is that there's so many of them, right? And none of them pass spell check, so that's okay. So if you're trying to do a lesson on these or typing them out or taking notes, it's, you know, Microsoft Word turns these into so many different things, it's not even funny. But uh, we're going to start off with Dorcas uh, this morning in Acts chapter 9, and we'll do several different folks and kind of bounce back and forth between the Old Testament and the New Testament and men and women and kind of look at a lot of different things. But um, <clears throat> I have found in my life that I generally more readily identify with the minor characters in the Scripture as opposed to the Davids and the Moseses and the Jesus and the Pauls because it just kind of seems like they did so much and were so popular and were so big in their time and that's just not my life, you know. I mean, that's just not where I'm at and I kind of feel like I identify more with the, oh, and there was this dude in the room too, right? And he didn't screw things up. Or every once in a while he did. And, and that's, that's kind of how I feel if I were to insert my life into the pages of the scripture. But we're in Acts chapter 9, we'll start in verse 36. Uh, this is at Joppa. There was a certain disciple named Tabitha. So anybody know where Joppa is? Because I'm sure you've all been there. Anybody? It's probably in what country? Israel. There we go. Good. Joppa is a seaport city. Um, it's one of the only natural harbors that Israel actually has. It's named Jaffa today, and it's kind of a suburb of Tel Aviv. Um, so Tel Aviv is to Jaffa as Chattanooga is to Hickson kind of gives you an idea of, of what that size and distance is. Um, there's a certain disciple there named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. So uh, if you had to pick, ladies, between Tabitha and Dorcas, yeah, Tabitha is what you're going with, right? Uh, and not here. And the reason not here is who wrote the book of Acts? Anybody remember? Dr. Luke, right? And Luke was a, was a physician, right? Anybody know his nationality? He was a Greek, right? And so if he's a Greek, he's going to use the Greek name, and the Greek name here was Dorcas, the Syriac. It's kind of the Hebrewish Jewish name uh, was Tabitha. Um, so there's a certain disciple there named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full or covered up or filled up with uh, good works. This is just what she did. Uh, and charitable deeds. Anybody have a different translation in your version other than charitable deeds? Helping of the poor, absolutely. So this is, anytime she saw somebody that needed help, she was actively engaged with that. So, so Dorcas was the lady that driving down 153 and pulling into Walmart stops and helps the person with the sign. Right? That's Dorcas. And it's not just, hey, here's a couple bucks. It's, here, I made you some clothing. Here you go. So, I mean, this is, this is the, that person that's doing this. She was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. Uh, and, and I love these three words there, which she did. Because a lot of times in my life, I will see something that needs to be done, and I will think, oh, yeah, absolutely. We should do that, or we should get engaged with that, or I should actively participate in that. And then squirrel, and on to the next thing, right? And Facebook takes over, or YouTube takes over, or Twitter takes over. And, you know, I, I go this other direction. But Dorcas 
she was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. Um, so I want to stop and kind of park here for just a minute. Um, if you've got your Bibles, look at 2 Timothy 2, verses 9 and 10. <clears throat> and this is unusual that I will actually ask you to turn to a totally other passage of Scripture, because usually I just like to sit and simmer and park and uh, crockpot kind of on one area. So 2 Timothy 2, 9 and 10. In like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness. And what's the next three words? Or not. With good works. With good works. And the idea here is that, um, what's that? First Timothy. Two, nine, and ten. I got, I got 40 blank stares. And I was like, uh, Jim, you're right. So somebody needs to go, hey, stupid, you messed up, right? Remember, I just talked about I'm the guy in the room that messed it up, right? So that's, so I'll fix that in my notes. Um, so 1 Timothy 2, 9 and 10. So let's do that again. I can edit that whole thing right out of the podcast. It'll sound like it never happened. It's awesome. So verse 9, in like manner also, you thought I was joking, that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness. And what's the last three words? With good works. Right. So, so Paul's writing to Timothy here, and he's kind of telling him how to do church and how, what, where, the, where the bar is and what good looks like and what not good looks like and leadership and this and that and the other. And he's saying, here's all this stuff, but, but good works has got to be added to it. And... Uh, so, so the blank here, your first blank for your handout is Dorcas wore her faith, W-O-R-E. Dorcas wore her faith. You could see it in action. It wasn't just something that she talked about. It wasn't just something that she thought about. You could see it. She wore her faith. Um, probably eight years ago, I was teaching Growth Track 2 with David Iverson. And uh, we're teaching this to new members in our church and trying to get them acclimated to what Stuart Heights is like and what we're about and whatnot. And there's a section talking about uh, how to read and study the Bible. And that the basic concept is what we go through every Sunday morning in Sunday school. I'm going to read the text. I'm going to explain the text. I'm going to ask the question, so what's the point? That's the application. And then I'm going to ask the question, now what do I do with that? That's the personalization. So how does it impact me? What, what do I do differently now? And Iverson piped up and he said, yeah, Brandenburg's got a really neat way of saying that. He said, how could you wear that? How could somebody see that differently in you tomorrow when you go to work as opposed to when you were at work on Friday? How would you put that thing on, this new action, this new principle, this new whatever, so that you are different? And Dorcas wore her faith. Um, and so I'm going to talk to the ladies for just a second. I'm going to talk to the guys for just a second. So ladies, you guys get bombarded constantly with messages about what you should look like and what you should wear and how you should do this and how you should do that. And, and it, please, please, please understand, all of that is completely garbage. All right? It is completely garbage. That was an amen from a phone right there. Okay? Uh, God is supremely more concerned about your character, and he is supremely more concerned about your actions than your clothing or your hair or your this or your that. It, it is just not 
it, we're light years difference in importance here. And everybody said, okay. So guys, now, we have a, um, so I'm talk to the married guys, I'm going to talk to the single guys. So married guys, we have a very special relationship with our wives, right? Nobody else, right? You, nobody else has a relationship with your wife, but yeah, okay. So, so I have the ability to say something to my wife that can either encourage her in a certain way or really discourage her in a certain way, right? Guys, would you say that's probably true? Yeah? Because uh, you know when you've stepped in it and when you've said the wrong thing that discouraged her in the wrong way, right? Okay. Just, just making sure we've, we're, all, we're all there. So, so I have the ability when my wife sees something and goes, hey, you know, I'm, I'm kind of wondering maybe I should absolutely, let's go do that. Let's encourage, Right? Because I want her to wear, I'm talking to my wife now, I want her to wear good works. That's what I want her to be known for. Uh, Julie and I have this running joke about what we're going to be buried in, right? And I know exactly what she wants to be buried in. She wants to be buried in jeans, some type of a top, and flip-flops. That's what she wants to be buried in. She's going out casual because we spent way too much time formal growing up, and she's going out casual. And what do I want to be dressed up in? And my suit. Because I look good in a suit. <laughs> Sorry. I wasn't sure I could do it without laughing in the middle of the joke. But no, that's just, we know that about each other. And, and I could, and she could discourage me with what she says and say, oh, oh, you look horrible today. Why would you even think about, uh, and you can rattle. You got, ladies, you can rattle your guy, okay, just in case you're, you're wondering about that. And guys, you can rattle your girl. So single guys, single girls, right? Julie, uh, of, of the guys in the room that come over to our house on a regular basis, who do you feel like you probably know the best? Albert, Albert right. Um, <clears throat> why do you know Albert the best? Because UFC, right? Because <laughs> he's always at our house, yeah. <laughs> Because UFC, we have these parties at my house um, where we get together a bunch of guys and hang out and we watch mixed martial arts. And if you're into mixed martial arts, you have an open invitation to come and I have a Facebook group and the whole nine yards and, you know, come on. But Albert's there every time, right, because that's what we do, right? And, uh, and Albert and Julie talk quite a bit. And, and I know, and I'm going to talk about both of you here for just a second, I know that you love picking on her. One, because it's easy, and you can get an easy response out of her, right? Yeah. And it is, babe, okay? It, like, it's okay. I love you. You know that I love you, right? Um, and she loves messing with your butt, let me tell you. Because everybody will leave. Everybody will leave, and the next morning, you'll never guess what I told Albert. And I got him, and he believed it, and he thought it was... You have the ability to encourage her. And you have the ability to encourage him. Even though there's not a marital relationship there. And I did this with my wife, so nobody else would feel weird about, you know. Because I'm totally comfortable with that, so it doesn't bother me. So, Dorcas wore her faith. So back to verse 37. But it happened in those days that she became sick. Anybody have a different word? Ill. Ill. Another word? Feeble or weak. And died. And if you ever want to put 
a dagger in the heart of prosperity theology, this is the verse, my friends. Because you will not find a better example in the New Testament of somebody who was doing what God called them to do with excellence. And yet she got sick and she died. Okay? So you're blank. Righteous living does not guarantee a life free of pain, suffering, poverty, or sickness. It does not. What did you say, Amy? Amen. Amen, right? It does not. So when you hear people on the radio, on television, at your work, say things like, you ready? I'm going to make some of you mad right now. Say things like, um, well, if you were right with God, you wouldn't be sick like that. Time out. Whoop, time out. Easy. Let's back off of that because that is wrong. That is bad theology. And any theology that focuses on that kind of garbage will eventually lead you away from Jesus Christ. I promise you. Okay? So, righteous living does not guarantee a life free of pain, suffering, poverty, or sickness. When they had washed her, what? When they what? Yeah, these are poor people. Okay? You dealt with your own, uh, I don't know the, the way to say the word, uh, mortuary-esque type activities. You, you got the body ready for burial. You did these things. This, they washed her. They laid her in an upper room. It's basically the highest part of the house. And since Lydda was near Joppa, Lydda is another city. It's not a person. And the disciples in Joppa had heard that Peter was there in Lydda. They sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay. And this word for imploring is... Sean, get over here right now, please. No, really, come here right now. We've got to. No, 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 you're not getting it. You're not getting it. I need you. I need you to come over here. I need you to come over here. We've got something over here that you've got to help with. You have got to help me with this. This is the imploring. It's not, hey, Doug, if you've got a minute, it'd be great. No, 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 no. It's I'm going. You're either going to come or I'm going to drag you butt. That's kind of where we're going. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, it's, it's a very active word. You didn't write any more blanks down there. You saw the answers there, did you? Okay, cool. Just checking. Um, they implored him not to delay in coming to them. Now, I've got a question for you. Why? Why would they go get Peter? At this point in the New Testament, no apostle had ever raised anybody from the dead. Ever. It hadn't happened yet. Now, they knew the stories about Jesus having done this because those stories were infamous. But we hadn't heard any stories about the apostles doing it. And the apostles had healed people before, right? Let me rephrase that. The Holy Spirit power working through the physical presence of the apostle had healed people before. I like that a little better. Right? Um, but nobody had ever, no apostle had raised somebody back from the dead. So why would they go get Peter? What did you say? Why not? Why not? <laughs> Why not? What else? What was it? Hope. Hope. Absolutely. Maybe, maybe this thing, this power that Jesus had is in his followers too. Just pos- Now we're talking crazy, right? Why else? Peter saw he was there. If anybody had the manual, he had the manual, right? 
up close and personal, I watched this. We're going to talk about that in just a second. I think their faith was so ridiculously crazy great that they thought Peter could pull this off because they knew Peter's God. So what do they do? They go get Peter. Verse 39, Then Peter arose and went with them. And when he had come, they brought him to the upper room, and all the widows stood by him weeping. Now, there are several different words in Greek for crying. There is a... There's a word for that. This is not that word. This word is... I practiced that. No, I didn't actually. Um, This is the wailing word. This is the I cannot control my grief word. Okay? Now, so if you are Peter walking into a room full of widows with this going on, how many of you have served in the nursery and the two-year-olds? Have ever done this? They can revolt, okay? They can, like, band together and revolt. And when they realize their power in numbers, you want to, I mean, no. So, so what do you think Peter's going to do with them? Get out of the room. <laughs> Get out of the room. But I, I want you to understand that, that these widows loved Dorcas. This was their friend. They were the recipients of her good works. They were. I mean, this was, this was her, their friend lying in this upper room. They stood by him weeping, showing. Anybody have a different word for showing? It's the Greek word for exhibiting. That's your blank. Exhibiting. And this is so beautiful. This is so beautiful. I don't want you to miss this. They stood by Peter. They stood by her exhibiting what she had done for them. There was a physical remainder of her life. And they loved it. And I don't know if any of you have something physical from somebody that you've loved that has died, but is that thing precious to you? Does anybody have something they want to just... Miss Amy, what do you got? I have a fishing pole of my grandfather's. A fishing pole of your grandfather's. And you wouldn't put that in a yard sale for all the money in the world, would you? I bet I couldn't buy that from you, could I? Because it's special to you, right? Sean, what do you got? Your dad's track shoes. You talked about those on the Sunday school lesson that you taught. Yeah, those won't end up in the yard sale, will they? No. One of your kids will have those one day, right? Yeah. Anybody else? Grandfather's pocket knife. Oh, grandfather's pocket knife. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah. It's, you, you feel connected to him, and you remember him. You probably remember scenarios where you saw him use that. Um, somebody in the back? Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. And, and, and we have these reminders of people who are not with us anymore, and they are precious to us. They are precious to us. And that's what these ladies have here. Showing or exhibiting the tunics. These are the undergarments. These things worn next to the body. And the garments. These are the outer garments, the cloaks, the mantles, the robes, which Dorcas had made. Now, this is not bought. This is made. And there's something different about something that is a gift that is bought and a gift that is made, right? Which Dorcas had made while she was with them. 
And just, so just picture the scene for a second. <clears throat> so these widows are showing their, their clothes, really, that Dorcas had made for them to Peter and, and saying, do you see what she's done? Do you see what she's done? Do you see what she's done? Um, and, and I can't help but think that one of them said something like, what are we going to do without her? I mean, what are we going to do? She did so much. She was so engaged in our lives. She helped us out so much. What are we going to do without Dorcas? And it makes me think that one day they will put my body in a box and put it six feet underground, and what will somebody say? Will the people at my funeral be looking at their watches, wondering if it's time to go yet, or will they be... That's how you know if somebody was loved or not, by the way. You're looking around the funeral, everybody's looking at their watch. If nobody's looking at their watch, this was somebody who was loved. Or will people say, what are we going to do without Jim? I mean, what are, what are we going to do? Think about that for a second. Are you actively involved in somebody's life so that if you were to be taken out of this earth, that somebody would be impacted? For most of us, that's our kids, right? For some of us, that's going to be some friends, but hopefully everybody's got somebody that would just, what, what would this look like, right? So verse 40, but Peter put them all out. Peter put them all out because it was noisy and he was about to do some business up in here, okay? So Peter put them all out. Now, Peter starts to replicate and to copy things that he's read about and things that he's seen. Thank you for knowing that. Um, in 2 Kings 4, uh, Elijah kicked all of the people out of the Shunammite son's house except for him and the boy because he was fixing to do a miracle. Uh, Jesus did this in Luke 8 with Jairus' daughter. Kicked everybody out. Kicked them all out on the other side of the doors, literally is what that means, and he knelt down. Now, this was something different because Jesus never knelt down to do a miracle. This is kind of cool. Um, some of the commentators think that Peter is trying to visibly separate his self from the example of Jesus Christ, saying that I am lower and that I need more power because it's not intrinsic in me. <clears throat> he knelt down and he prayed. And turning to the body, he said... Now think about this for just a second, okay? This is one of the guys that at the cross of Christ, he ran away. Right? He ran away. So in the space of days, months, maybe a year, he has changed from, here's your blank, fear at the cross to faith at the corpse. Because something is different. So what happened between the cross and the corpse? There's this little thing called the resurrection, right? And when Jesus got up from the dead, everything changed. The world as we knew it was completely different because no longer does death win. Life wins. Love wins. Things are totally different. And Peter had seen 
thousands of people give their lives to Jesus Christ to follow him. And he'd seen the difference in thousands of lives, not while Jesus was on the earth, after he died and rose again. You see this difference? So he was scared to death at the cross. And he's going to talk to a dead body now? Yep, he sure is. Anybody remember the words that Jesus said to the little girl? Remember the exact words? Talithia, arise. It's one character different than what Peter says here because it's a different name. It's Tabitha. Tabitha, arise. Now, I don't want to get crazy, weird, theological on you here for a second, but she was dead, okay? And Peter talks to her, says two words, and what happens? And she opened her eyes. So she's laying down flat, and she opens her eyes. Now, we have no recorded evidence whatsoever that these two had ever met. So the last thing that probably went through Dorcas' mind was, I'm struggling to breathe. I'm having trouble. This might be it for me. Gasping for a breath, and then opens her eyes and sees this guy that she may not have ever met before, but she, <coughs> but she feels good. You go, well, Jim, how do you know she felt good? Because Jesus never healed anything partway in his entire life, and neither did the apostles. When Jesus fixes it, he fixes it. Okay? It's pretty cool. So she opened her eyes, and then what did she do? She sat up. <laughs> Get me up. Because Dorcas is not the kind of person that sleeps in on Saturday morning. I don't think that she was. She was probably a get up and get active and let's go to work and let's do something. So she sits up. She opened her eyes. She saw Peter. She sat up. Then he gave her his hand and he lifted her up. Jesus did this in Mark chapter 1 with, anybody remember? Peter's own mother-in-law. Peter had a mother-in-law who died. And then Jesus brought her back. <laughs> it's like, really? Come on now. Okay. Tell you who's in charge, Peter. All right, verse 41. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up, and when he had called the saints and widows, this is also the first time in the New Testament that uh, believers are called saints, which is kind of cool. The saints and widows, he presented her. Anybody want to know what this word means? He exhibited her. See, the, the widows had exhibited their coats and shirts and and then he's going to exhibit her. And this reminds me, he exhibited her alive. This reminds me of Ephesians 2.10. Anybody know Ephesians 2.10? For we are his workmanship. What's the word I like better? We are his masterpiece. The Greek word there is if you lined up all the artistic works of an, of an author for their entire life and picked out the author's favorite one, the one that they want to be known by for the rest of all time, the masterpiece. And this is what God calls us. We are his masterpiece. You know, many times we feel as though the things that we create or the things that we produce are what define us. And that's really not the case. What defines us is being a child of God. Now, we should be productive. We should be active. But the mere reality that we are children of God, that's what defines us. That's what we are known by. That's our exhibit to God. In verse 42, And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. 
Now, I don't know how many people Dorcas led to Jesus in her life, but I know a whole bunch because of her death. God killed her so that others would know him. Wrap your head around that one. Be okay with that one. Okay. I'm ready to die so more people will know about Jesus than through my teaching ministry. That's a hard one to say out loud. That's what he did. So I want you to look at your hands for a second. What have your hands created? What have your hand, who have your hands served? What do your hands do? Dorcas was identified by what her hands did. She lived a life of service. Her Christianity affected her, and it affected others. It made a difference in the lives of other peoples. So the blank are, put your name there, hands making a difference. So in my notes it says, are Jim's hands making a difference? So the other question is maybe your hands aren't your way that you serve. Maybe you serve with the words that you say. Maybe you serve with the things that you go and do. Maybe you serve with your physical presence, the the ministry of presence. But whatever you serve with, be active. Do something. So I don't know if this is at the bottom of this page or that's the bottom of this page. This account tells the tale of a productive disciple. This account is a picture of what will happen to all productive disciples one day. We'll be raised to life to be with those that love us, our brothers and sisters in Christ. So imagine that feeling when she sat up and Peter flings open the door. Imagine the feeling with the widows that were on the other side. It worked! (laughs) That little grain of faith that we had to go send for Peter and drag him out of Lydda and get him over here, it worked. Dorcas is back. Let's go tell everybody that the difference that my God makes. So, what's the point on the backside? I kind of got carried away with my applications and personal because there's a whole bunch of them here. I actually had like 18, and I thought that would be too much. So, whittled it down to the top 10. So, <clears throat> Letterman's top 10. Uh, what's the point? Number one on the application side, doing is important. So, what do I do with that? Well, get busy working. I have my kids going through Proverbs uh, right now. They read a chapter a night. They write down their favorite verse, word perfect, and then what do I do with that? Um, and they're getting better at it. They're getting a lot better at it. It's amazing what they're coming up with. Uh, and a lot of it involves I need to physically do something differently. Right? So get busy working. Uh, number two, people love people who love tangibly. Um, faith works. Faith works hard, and faith works hard right now. It is not a, let's take a break and come back later. It's get busy working. Now, obviously, there are periods of rest. God built into the, the fabric of our time, of our universe, this periods of rest, right? Every single night, the sun goes down. That's on purpose. That's not on accident. He actually started with the night and finishes with the day. If you go back and read Genesis... In the evening and the morning were the first day. You start with the rest, and then you have enough to serve, to work, to do. So I understand the concept of rest, but love the body of Christ in visible ways. If there's daylight, let's get busy. Number three, health is not equal spirituality. So what do I do with that? Be faithful. Leave the healing to Jesus. He will or he won't. 
and he's right. And that's hard, but Jesus has got my health covered. Number four, there's a time for public mourning. There is. There was a time that was right for those widows to stand around Dorcas's dead body and mourn. That was right. And there will be times where people in this room need us to come around beside them and mourn with them. That is right. Number five, there's a time for private prayer. Um, Peter needed a quiet room. And sometimes you have to be a little forceful to get a quiet room. And if you need to tell your kids to go in another room so that you can have your devotional time with God, please do so. It'll be all right. They will not scar them for life. For them to see that Jesus is more important to, th- to you than they are. Don't throw things. Okay? Number six, don't reinvent the wheel. It will still be round. Peter copied anything and everything he could remember. And he made one minor change, and it was a pretty cool one. But just do what the biblical example is. It'll be all right. Copy the examples in the Bible. Number seven, there is a time for public rejoicing. There is a time when people get healed. There is a time when people get saved. There is a time when prayers are answered, and that is okay to stand up and shout and act a little bit Pentecostal once in a while. It'll be all right. Okay? Don't be talking in tongues, but, you know, Pentecost is okay. Number eight, Jesus still raises the dead. This is not just for the Old Testament. It's not just for the New Testament. He still raises the dead. Tell others about him. Number nine, Jesus fixes things completely. Um, What was he trained to be as a child? A carpenter. What does a carpenter do but take something in one form and make something new out of it? I can't think of a better trade. It's kind of cool. It's what he does, right? Know that Jesus will fix it all one day by making all things new. And number 10, a good work filled, I didn't know how else to say that. Maybe you've got a better phrase. So I put just hyphens in there. A good work filled life brings glory to God. So be the exhibit of God's love, mercy, and grace and get busy working. There's a lot to do. Amen? All right, next week is Uzzah. I didn't mispronounce it. It's Uzzah. you kind of got to say it with some something in there, okay? Um, so next time, you, Uzzah is the story that you tell to your kids when you're trying to teach them not to touch the stove, okay? So that's my joke. I'll start that with next week, and you might laugh. Uh, write down your prayer requests on the sheet in front of you. Please make sure everybody's name is on the card, and... Uh, we will see you all at Chester Frost Park tonight. Five o'clock's dinner. Bring enough food for your family plus Daryl. <laughs> Not Daryl's family because that would be like obnoxious. Um, but your family plus Daryl. And then the baptism start at six. So thanks for coming, guys.